Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Hushmo Black Forum. Here we do it bigger, we do it better, we do it longer, and out of necessity, we'll do it louder than anyone out here. So relax. Here's your host, Hushmo Black.
Rise up, y'all. Hey, welcome to the Hushville Black Forum. It's Hushville driving this train this evening. It's April. April 9th, y'all. 2016. Once again, I want to welcome y'all to the Hushville Black Forum, where we come to you live in living color every Saturday from 7 to 9. 7 to 9 p.m. And come to you live from uh, the ATL. Over Blog Talk, y'all. Blog Talk Radio. We uh, got a great show for you this evening, as always. You know, our motto is to do it bigger, to do it better, to do it longer. And out of necessity, sometimes we'll do it louder than anybody out here on Blog Talk, y'all. We don't like to get loud. like to try to keep everything on an even keel. You know, that's what we try to do. That's not what we always do. Circumstances uh, doesn't allow us to do that all all the time. Uh, but we like to uh, keep everything on an even keel out here on the Hushville Black Forum. Um, we advocate, advocate for social justice on behalf of uh, Miracles of Africa and Sith. Not because we don't love everybody. No, we do love everybody. Just by extension, being part of that community, we find ourselves advocating uh, for that uh, community. Lord knows, Lord knows, we we need all the uh, advocacy we can get. Hey, Facebook friends, we got a free call in number one eight 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 five eight eight three eight one four. We don't take many calls out here on the Hushville Black Forum. We will take a call or two. Y'all got something to add to the equation. We cipher out here. We <laughs> try to make uh, sense of things that just don't make no sense, y'all. And uh, there's a lot of things going on that don't make no sense. We try to break it down for for you all. Bernie Sanders won the Wyoming caucus. How many people live in Wyoming? 200? Anyway, Bernie Sanders got about a seven-state win, winning streak going. He's winning in places where they got caucuses uh, and uh, no people, which is, you know, wins a win. But, yeah, you got to come up with some delegates here if you're going to get that nomination. Right now, Hillary's comfortably ahead in the delegate count. New York is coming up in a couple of weeks. I'm thinking she's going to uh, do well there. The Republicans? Oh, I don't know. That thing is crazy. Uh, that Republican is going to be a slugfest up in uh, Cleveland, Ohio this summer. When is that, July 18th? The Republican Convention in Cleveland? That thing is, that thing is going to be crazy, y'all. Uh, I'm thinking about uh I'm thinking about going up. But uh I <laughs> hey, I I'm gonna keep my distance. If I if I go to Ohio, I'm gonna be uh probably about thirty miles south of uh, Cleveland, down in Akron. But I I I won't be nowhere near Cleveland, y'all. I although I do wanna feel the vibe, so Hey, the Browns got R G three, y'all. 
who would have ever thought it? Cleveland Browns got RG three. RG three don't know that's <laughs> that's where that's the quarterback's graveyard up there in that place. They done went through almost thirty quarterbacks in the last fifteen years. Uh, what's that two uh, two a year? <laughs> hey, if they can uh, if they can keep RG three uh, healthy, uh, I think they got something. I think they got a steal if they can keep him healthy. Cleveland, and I'm a big Brown fan, y'all. That was my that was my team when I was a kid. I saw the first game Jim Brown played. <laughs> I saw the first game Jim Brown played. Oh, I saw it on TV, a little small black and white TV. <laughs> but I I saw the first game Jim Brown played, y'all. And uh, that thing wasn't pretty. Uh but that was back when, 19, shoot, 57, was it? 58? But the Browns was my my team. As a, as a youngster growing up, still still like him. I root for them when the, uh, they're not playing the Falcons. But Lord knows they can be hard on quarterbacks. And coaches, <laughs> they got a huge action up there. They, hey, they can be hard on quarterbacks and coaches. They fired Belichick. That should tell you something about that organization, though. They fired uh, Belichick. Belichick had did number win up there in New England since he left Cleveland. How they fired Belichick, I never know. They still trying to figure it out. They still trying to figure that move out themselves. But uh, as after the fact, yeah. It's a beautiful weekend here in the ATL. They tell me they got snow up there in uh, Ohio, Indiana. I don't know what kind of weather it is up that way. That's to be a wet. That's what y'all do. It's spring. Spring is sprung, and y'all still got snow. We uh, came across a bit of information here over the wire, y'all. This judge, this black judge in Louisville, Kentucky, Judge Ola Stevens, says he's had the courage to speak up against the use of all white juries to convict African-American defendants. And the powers that be up there in Kentucky is threatening to, to suspend the judge. This is a black judge now. He spoke up because of the ridiculousness of uh, them picking all uh, uh, white juries to convict uh, uh, these black defendants uh, at a uh, crazy uh, uh, rate when you got black folks there uh, 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 for the jury pool and you somehow come up with an all-white jury to convict uh, uh, the black defendants at an outrageous number. And now... Judge Stevens is fighting for his uh, career because uh, uh, the powers that be didn't like the fact that he uh, spoke up against it. We've got to set up and uh, 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 let our voices be heard uh, uh, in this matter, y'all. It's Louisville, Kentucky. Y'all uh, Google uh, 
Judge Ola Stevens, O-L-U Stevens, S-T-E-V-E-N-S, in uh, Louisville, Kentucky. And, uh, the uh, Kentucky Judicial Conduct uh, Commission uh, uh, is, uh, is trying to uh, uh, make him resign. Now, just he was an old Morehouse man, too, so you know I, I uh, uh, want to... Uh, uh, stand up for his, uh, for him uh, just because he's from Morehouse. Uh, well, one of the reasons, but no, uh, this sounds like they're trying to railroad the black man, uh, Judge Ola Stevens. Y'all uh, 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 Google the Kentucky Judicial Conduct uh, Commission and add your two cents in. Tell them uh, we're 100 percent against any kind of punishment of this judge for standing up and. Uh, pointing out the inequities in uh, uh, the legal system up there in uh, Kentucky. It's been going on far too long. I believe Kentucky was the last state to uh, uh, ratify the 14th Amendment. I believe Kentucky was the last state to ratify the 14th uh, Amendment, y'all. That thing should have been ratified in 1868. I don't think Kentucky ratified the 14th Amendment, y'all, until 1970-something. Hey, now, you know, that that's a fact, y'all. Y'all, y'all Google uh, when Kentucky ratified the 14th Amendment. I think they were the last states to ratify it, although, you know, it only uh, took a, a majority of states to ratify that thing to make it law back in 1868. But Kentucky never did ratify that 14th Amendment up until the 1970s, y'all. Let you know what kind of... A legal system uh, we're dealing with here in Kentucky, or there in Kentucky, when today they still uh, uh, excluding blacks from juries and convicting, uh, uh, picking uh, all white uh, juries to uh, convict uh, uh, black defendants at a, a abnormal uh, high rate. Uh, we we got a. I'm going to be uh, posting something on my website, hushmoblack.com. Go there. Uh, contact information for that commission is Judicial Conduct uh, Commission, P.O. Box 4266, Frankfort, Kentucky, 40604. They have a phone number, 502-564-1200. That, once again... Judicial Conduct Commission, P.O. Box 4266, Frankfort, Kentucky, 40604. Phone number, 502-564-1231. Write those folks. Call those folks. Make sure you let them know that we are dead set against any, any uh, uh, retaliation against this judge for speaking his mind and pointing out uh, injustices uh, that's, uh, uh, that's uh, in place in the Kentucky legal system, y'all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Go to, uh, you can find out more information on uh, Your Black World on the Internet, uh Google Your Black World. That's Dr. Boris Watkins' uh, a website. He's got uh, more information on that. Go there and sign up, and we're going to 
uh, get behind uh, uh, Dr. Boyce Watkins' effort in this regard. Uh, this this is just another uh, in a long uh, line of uh, racist attitudes toward uh, uh, black judges and black people uh, there in the state of Kentucky. Uh, uh, we have to make a, st- a stand. We have to make a stand, like like the record said. We got to rise up. We got to rise up against injustice, and we'll do it a, 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 a thousand times again. We got to keep rising up against uh, all the injustices that we see, y'all, <clears throat> anywhere we see them. Even today, 2016, it's the same that we have to still be talking about uh, <clears throat> racism and, and the craziness that's still going on in the country in 2016. It's just amazing how uh, prevalent uh, racism and discrimination uh, is is still at play in this country, in this darn country here. It's amazing how it's uh, racism and uh, uh, hatred and all that stuff is uh, infiltrated into uh, the political uh, uh, presidential races this year. And I said that, and uh, uh, it's not really that uh, surprising. Since this black president took office eight years, almost eight years ago, I mean, all the racists came out the closet. I mean, the thing that this president had to uh, uh, endure is uh, unprecedented. Unprecedented. Well, obviously it's unprecedented because we've never had a black president before. But, I mean, just some of the stuff that he's, uh, he has to deal with is just mind-boggling, just out and out overt racism that this president has to deal with on a daily basis is, is mind-blowing, you know, for, for this to be uh, some kind of a democracy, a so-called democracy. This is society now. We know that the government is a republic. We know we have a republican form of government, but the society uh, is a bastardized uh, democracy, <laughs> It's not even a good bastard either. <laughs> uh, hey, y'all. Hey, you got me, Hushbo, out here driving this train this evening. Don't get me started, y'all. Don't get me started on uh, down that line. Facebook friends, what's up? Yeah, Villanova won that thing, y'all. Villanova won that... Uh, that jackpot. I mean, Villanova won the Mars Madness. That was a great game, y'all. They took them, I think, the last shot. They hit the last three-pointer there to win that thing. The last shot of the game. Oh, yeah, it was a great, great game. But, uh, yeah, they pulled it out. I, you know, I don't know. I don't even follow basketball anymore. Like I used to. I mean, it wouldn't. Uh, there was a time when I could tell you uh, uh, all the teams that uh, that uh, had a chance to win that thing. But this year, I, you know, I I don't know. Just don't have the uh, time to uh, follow it like I used to. The Braves, my Atlanta Braves, y'all. I'm doing the sports first, y'all. They've gotten off to an awful start. They 0-3. 
hopefully they play in now. Hopefully they'll get a win uh, tonight to try to get back on the right track because you can't uh, you can't afford to. Uh, I mean, it's only April. <laughs> we, I mean, it's no, it's too early to panic, but you can't keep losing games and throwing games away the way they've been losing. See, I don't like the way they've been losing. Uh, you know, they just been fumbling and bumbling around with the ball, and I don't even recognize the team, y'all. I don't know who they got on that team. I recognize Freddie Freeman, the first baseman. Pass him, and uh, there's a pitcher, uh, Teron. Uh, uh, Julio Teron. That's about the only two players I recognize on the whole team. Then I trade over the last two years. Then I traded everybody on that team. Then I had. <laughs> Hey, uh, don't get me started on the Braves. I don't like that. You know, I wish them luck. They moving out of town. They moving out to the suburbs next year. Atlanta, Atlanta wasn't good enough for them. They moving to the suburbs, y'all. I normally go to about one or two games a year anyway. I've cut down on my sporting outings. In my later years, all right, I gotta spend all my time uh, getting ready for you all. Not here on uh, in cyberspace on my blog talk show. I, I, you know, this is a full time job. Oh, I ain't making no money. Money? What's that? Do people get paid for this? <laughs> well. Welcome to the Hushmore Black Forum once again, y'all. On this beautiful spring spring afternoon. I think it got to sixty something today. I mean it wasn't really wasn't really uh hot. But it's been, you know, in the seventies here, uh it's been in the seventies here, uh it's a spring uh sprung, but here lately, you know, it's, we could be in a, well, we could be up in the Midwest or where they got snow. Yes, thirty uh, in Akron and sunshine and snow. What does that? What does that mean? Thirty degrees up there. Sixty, sixty degrees here in the ATL. Sixty-six. Ooh, seventy-eight Monday. Hey y'all, uh, we got some good weather here. It's going to be almost 80 degrees Monday. Uh, golfing weather. I can't play no golf, y'all. My eye still had surgery on my eye. This is the third week. What was it? Two Thursdays ago. So I'm into the third week of recovery. I still got a couple of more weeks before I can get back out there to hit the golf ball. But then I'll only be using one eye. I'll only be using one eye. Now, and the thing about using one eye when you're trying to hit that golf ball, get it. <laughs> any golfers out there, any, any golfers out there, y'all, y'all think I'm kidding, but that's a trick. You got to put that ball somewhere. You, you got to put that ball somewhere where you can uh, – where you can uh, center that ball between your two eyes. 
line of vision I'm talking about. And if you're only dealing with one eye, that's going to throw that's going to throw your alignment off in terms of how you set up uh, uh, that ball to hit it. And yeah, I know that little ball ain't moving down there on the ground. That golf ball is stationary, <laughs> but. <laughs> The golf ball is stationary. It's not like uh, trying to hit a baseball, a 95-mile-an-hour ha- fastball moving all over the place, which is a dunning test uh, in itself. But uh, that little golf ball down there is sitting still. And uh, that thing is every bit as hard to hit the way you want to hit it. Now, you can hit it, but... Uh, <laughs> There's far more uh there's far more uh indiscretion as to where you uh can hit a baseball once you hit it uh than it is a golf ball. Golf ball you got some uh, uh particular uh uh spots that you wanna hit that ball to. You wanna hit that ball in a certain direction. A baseball you can hit all over the field. A golf ball and you normally do wind up hitting it all a lot of <laughs> hey uh you can get the heck of that golf ball you'd be hitting that thing all over the place like you spin a baseball around, but no, the idea of golf is uh, that you hit that ball in a straight line or at least in uh uh an area of the golf course that you want uh, to hit it but uh yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, but uh, it's better to have two eyes. Is all I'm saying. To say that, say all of that. What I just said is better to have two eyes when you're that trying to hit that golf ball. Uh, you could do it with one eye, but you got to compensate. Just like using Kentucky windage when you aiming a rifle. Anybody know anything about Kentucky windage? <laughs> we ain't got no soldiers out there in the audience. So you should know something about uh, Kentucky Windage. Yeah, yeah, you got to make some adjustments if you've got one eye there trying to hit that golf ball. Uh, but we, we, uh, I'm like Tiger. I'm about uh, uh, as far along as Tiger. I've been chipping around in the yard. Tiger said he's chipping around with his nine iron. Shit, Tiger hit a nine iron 150 yards. <laughs> Tiger hit a nine iron 150 yards, y'all. We, <laughs> oh, that's my three. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, <laughs> uh, Gordon Speak, Speak is still leading that uh, hip parade, y'all. He's still leading, uh, He's still leading uh, the Masters. Day five, I think he's up by three, three or four strokes. It's going to be tough to catch that young boy tomorrow. I can tell you that right now because he's too solid. McElroy was one. Rory was playing with him today and dropped four shots to him. Four or five. I think Rory's like, what, two over? Or is like two over or something. 
though. Right. Yeah, the Braves try to get off the skid and win a game here. I wish them luck because I, you know, you start losing at the beginning of the season. Now you can't lose. Uh, you know, if you don't lose a game of two or three, I guess April is a good time to do it. But uh, you can't ever make those games back up. You can't ever make a loss back up, y'all. Uh, uh-uh. there's no way to do it. That thing will always stay in the loss column the whole year. So I hope they uh, they owe it three. So they still, you know, out of 162 games, uh, three losses ain't bad if that's all you lost. Now, if you, was, uh, if you were to win the next 159 games, those three losses wouldn't mean a thing, uh, if you could do that. those The three losses we got now wouldn't mean a thing if you could run off 159 straight wins. But that ain't gonna happen. That, oh, it's possible. I suppose it's possible. But hey, y'all, uh, we're gonna take a quick pause for the calls here. Y'all, hang in there. We'll be back. You got me, Hushmo, driving this train. Advocating on your behalf, you're listening to the Hushmo Black Forum. Tell your friends about us. Saturdays. 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Right here in cyberspace.
Welcome back to Welcome back to the National Black Forum. It's uh oh, it's about twenty five to eight here in ATL, yeah. Came across a uh I we just pull it off uh, out of our library, this old book. It's been laying around for years. The Shaping of the Modern Man by Crane Brenton. The Shaping of the Modern Man. Uh, a great book published published in 1953 Crane Britain graduated from Harvard in 1919 then went on to Oxford on a role scholar I don't know. Do anybody know anything about Oxford and the Rhodes Scholars and all that stuff? That's the whole. That's the whole show. That's the whole topic within itself. This book kind of deal with uh, well, it deals with uh, uh, a lot of things, but mainly how the Christian world, the so-called Christian world, uh, mindset, uh, uh, the Western. Christian society and how they uh, how they man function. Uh, it's fascinating. How when he uh, deal, uh, delve into how democracy here in America? We're just talking about uh, the Christian. We'll, we'll just I'll just lift this out of the book. His uh, take on uh, democracy here in America and uh, Christianity. Oh, Rachel Blurp, I was this thing is so fascinating. Down to the. Uh, 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 and man's uh, having to come to grips with uh, his Christianity and uh, the democracy that uh, he set up for himself here in America. We're we're just going to take, start on page 258 of this book, uh, The 
shaping of the modern man, uh, man. This is near the end of the book here. Uh, there is further grave intellectual difficulties no thinking Democrat can avoid facing. We have granted, in accordance with the current of modern anti-intellectualism, and probably also of common sense, that there is a deep energy and toughness in the human race no intellectual system can contain. That our culture has sources of strength not greatly affected by our philosophy or lack of one. Yet, even Pareto, Pareto lists as one of his strongest residues the residue to make derivations. Derivations, that is, uh, yeah, the residue to make derivations. That is, to make sense. <laughs> the need for satisfying our desire to understand, to have our experience hold together logically, not to be shockingly, patently inconsistent. Not to be hypocrites in our own or in others' eyes. This is a very strong need among human beings. It is safe to say that no civilization has been led by an intellectual class persuaded that their world of values, the explanations of why they were there, was pretense, hypocrisy, Pure fake it is safe to say that no civilization has been led by an intellectual class persuaded persuaded that their world of values, their explanation of why they were there was pretense, hypocrisy, pure fake. In a democracy there cannot be for long an unbelieving intellectual class and an unbelieving uh, non-intellectual class. Nor can a skeptical or cynical intellectual class devise a religion for the masses. Now, this is heavy, y'all. Y'all got to read this whole book to get to what I just said, where this guy is at. This is at the end of the book that he's looking at... Uh, 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 World civilizations, uh, well, Christian mindsets, and from uh, I guess it, it's taking this thing from uh, a period from uh, uh, just after uh, 1500s, say, from the Renaissance area all the way up to uh, 1953 when this book was written. And remember, this book was written in the United States here before. 1954. Why, that's important because 1954, Brown came down and set aside a lot of the uh, separate equal laws. <laughs> yeah, that's important in this society, y'all. Believe it or not, you have to get a real good understanding of what happened there in uh, 1954. Brown versus Board of Education, 
that thing was so much more about uh, just integrating schools, y'all. That thing had an effect on the whole society and how uh, uh, groups of people interacted uh, uh, within that society. Minority groups, uh, uh, how that changed after uh, that ruling uh, came down in 1954. Everything changed, y'all. That Brown versus Board of Education was about a lot more, about a lot more than uh, school integration. That was just a small, small part of it. So this guy's going on. He's talking about uh, he's talking about here uh, uh, the dilemma that uh, this democracy has. Uh, I'm going to read this again. In a democracy, there cannot be for Alone, for uh, in a democracy that cannot be for long, an intellectual, an unbelieving intellectual class, in a believing non-intellectual class, nor can a skeptical or cynical intellectual class devise a religion for the masses. <laughs> uh, now, our intellectual classes are by no means today in such a plight. This is what he's saying. Uh, uh, but they were they were uh, exactly uh, 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 trying to devise, or they had uh, tried to force their Christianity on uh, uh, millions of uh, uh, people who hadn't uh, been exposed to Christianity before and uh, uh, went on to try to project an uh, 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 image to the rest of the world that uh, the democracy that they had set up here in this country was all hunky-dory. So now our intellectual classes are by no means today in such a plight, so says Arthur here. But many of them are puzzled, and they are likely to be more puzzled until they come more successfully to grips with the problem of modifying our 18th century heritage from the Enlightenment. Let us make a final brief summary of that problem. This thing is going to get heavy, y'all. The democratic worldview was formulated in the 18th century at the end of three centuries of change that had culminated in the great triumph of natural science in the work of Newton and his fellows. Whatever may have been the philosophical and theological opinions of these working scientists as private persons and to this day many of them are sincere Christians as scientists they had to make use of an intellectual method of arriving at generalizations a method that a method that was wholly at the mercy of observed facts. Wow, this is heavy, huh? These facts were ultimately, no matter how much more subtle than human senses, the instruments by which they were recorded, statements about the world of sense experience. This world and no other 
Briefly, a proposition made in accordance with the methods of natural science has to accord has to accord with the facts of this world. It may not transcend them, and it may not contradict them. Now, two of the master generalizations of the democratic faith, as it emerged as it emerged in the 18th and 19th centuries, the doctrine of the natural goodness and reasonableness of men, and the doctrine of inevitability, inevitable, unilinear progress toward human perfectibility on earth. Either transcend the scientific attitude toward truth or contradict it. You have only to follow down through the ages from Thucydides to Machiavelli to the ablest of modern social scientists to note that the tradition among those who really observe carefully the behavior of human beings is one of conviction that men are born to trouble and that in recorded time, at least, human nature has not greatly changed. If you study the recorded behavior of Homo sapiens from the earliest time right down to the mid-20th century, in the spirit and with the methods of the natural scientists, as far as the inadequacies of the historical record will permit such study, you will be unable to take anything like the attitude of Condorcet, for instance, or even that of Payne and Jefferson. You will be unable to accept, as even rough scientific generalizations, the concept of the natural goodness and reasonableness of man and of the increasing perfection in human terms of our life on earth. Democracy, in short, is in part a system of judgments inconsistent with what the scientists hold to be true. This is where he's talking about, he's talking about democracy. Mainly he's talking about this country because he's writing about the uh, society here. This guy is a professor at Harvard at this time when he wrote this book. Democracy, in short, is in part a system of judgments inconsistent with what the scientists hold to be true. The social scientists looking at it. This inconsistency would not create difficulties. Oh, but it did. This inconsistency this inconsistency would not create difficulties or at least would not create some of the difficulty it now creates. Were the Democrat able to say his kingdom is not of this world, able to say that his truth is not the kind that is in the least tested by the scientists, any more than the truth of the Catholic doctrine of the Eucharist. 
is tested by the chemical analysis of the bread and wine. Such a solution of the Democrats' intellectual quandary is not a happy one, but is not altogether inconceivable. Democracy may become a genuinely transcendental faith in which belief is not weakened by lack of correspondence between the proposition it lays down and the facts of life on this earth. There are cynics who say that when an American boasts about the lack of class distinctions in this country, he never bothers his mind with the facts. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey uh, we read we read uh, a portion of uh, shaping the modern man by Crane Britton a book uh, published in 1953 here in the country dealing with the democracies and the minds of uh, those that set it up and how uh, they came to grips with uh, the so-called democracies that they had in place here and their Christian faith. Uh, There are cynics who say that when an American boasts about the lack of class distinction in this country... He never bothers his mind with the facts, the facts of our class structure, the facts about Negroes, Jews, Mexicans. (laughs) We Americans have no trouble at all in recognizing the fact that the basic principle of that democracy or, or that democratic heresy, Marxism, are contradicted by almost every principle of the actual structure of present-day Russia, so Russian social life. We recognize that Russian democracy is defined quite differently from ours. In short, democracy may be able to take its promised heaven out of this world and put it in the world of ritual performs or transcendental belief or vicarious satisfactions of human wants may keep it an ideal not too much soiled by the contrast with the spotted reality. Wow, this is this is really every book here, y'all. This man is breaking down by letting you know that uh, the democracy that uh, America has been putting forth to the worst rest of the world, uh, claiming that there's no class distinctions uh, 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 here in this country, when at the same time they're overlooking the problems of vast uh, numbers of their citizens, the plight of uh, the Negro, for instance, uh, and the Jews uh, in this country, who was, uh, well, the Negro especially, who was discriminated with and uh, pretty much held as second-class citizens by uh, at this time, legal laws of the country, legal laws, separate legal laws that was in place when this book was written. They knew all of that and claimed that somehow uh, there's no class distinctions here. You see how fake and how crazy this society was back there before Brown. 
And there was laws in the place uh, at this time when this book was written telling me that I couldn't uh, uh, participate in the society. I did not have 14th Amendment protections when this book was written in 1953. An American, me, Amer- an American of African descent, did not have 14th Amendment protections. This could not, in any way, shape, form, or fashion, be a democracy. When this book was written, this society, this country was not a, a democracy. The society in which we live was not a democracy. Don't tell me something about uh, this place is a republic and never was intended to be a democracy. Yeah, society was intended to be a democracy. Yeah, we know the government is a republican form of government, but the society, uh, every man was, uh, was uh, uh, supposed to have uh, one vote, one man. At this particular time, and that was not the case because they had uh, uh, took away uh, 14th Amendment protections for millions of uh, its own citizens. So this guy is just breaking this down is what, this, is what he's talking about here. Uh, or we may see the working out of a democratic attitude toward the world which accepts the limitations of ordinary human nature, which accepts a pessimistic view of this world, a democracy with no pie in the sky and no really any fallible, no all-satisfying pie in the larder. Its enemies have long said that democracy is a fair-weather thing, that even in its incomplete realization of liberty, equality, fraternity, it sets for human and uh, nature standards that can be approximated in human conduct only in time. Okay, let's go back and read this again. Its enemies have long said that democracy is a fair weather thing, that even in its incomplete a realization of liberty, equality, fraternity. It acts for human nature standards that can be approxim- uh, approximated in human conduct only in times of ease and prosperity. In a time of trouble, they say, we shall need discipline, leadership, solidarity, not to be achieved by letting Men, even in theory, even in fantasy, follow their own private wills. Such disciplined men do indeed accept in times of crisis, as the Western democracy showed well uh, in this past last war, the English took with amazingly little apparent psych, psyche, uh, psychic damage the bombing of cities which put all civilians on no more metaphorical battle line, uh, which put all uh, civilians on no mere metaphorical battle line. Even more striking, in a way, was the spirit with which most Americans went into this last war. To the horror of the tender-minded idealists, they went into it with very little apparent belief that they were going to make a much better world. 
with very little of the crusading spirit of the war of 1914 to 1918, they went into it as into a disagreeable but necessary tasks that they were able to do very well indeed, but which they saw no reason to pretend to enjoy or to ennoble. They went into it as realists, not as cynics. And here we may well conclude, as far as a book of this sort can conclude, an ideal idealistic democracy an idealistic democracy a believing democracy in the old transcendental sense of religion belief, religious belief is perhaps possible though such a democracy would find it hard to accommodate its this worldly and scientific heritage to an otherworldly faith is God would at the very least need to make wait a minute, let's see. It's God would at the very least need to make some difficult compromise with the psychiatrist. A realistic, pessimistic democracy a democracy in which ordinary citizens approach morals and politics with the willingness to cope with imperfections. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is heavy, y'all. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's, let's go back and read this again so it can digest for y'all what he's talking about here. I'm going to try to explain it to you. Uh, let's see. Where, where were we? Uh, you're talking about uh, and here we may well conclude as far as a book of this sort can conclude an idealistic democracy a believing democracy in the old transcendental sense of religious belief is perhaps possible Uh, I say, okay, is it, is it perhaps possible, though such a democracy would find it hard to accommodate its this worldly and scientific heritage to an otherworldly faith. <clears throat> it's God would at the very least need to make some difficult compromise with the psychiatrist. A realistic, pessimistic democracy a democracy in which ordinary citizens approach morals and politics with the willingness to cope with imperfections that characterize the good farmer, the good physician, the good holder of the cure of souls, be he priest, clergyman, counselor, or psychiatrist, such a democracy would demand more of its citizens than any human culture has ever demanded. Were its demands met, 
it might well be the most successful culture. Finally, cynics, finally, cynical democracy, a democracy whose citizens profess in this world one set of beliefs and live another is wholly impossible. No such society can long endure anywhere. The tensions between the ideal and the real may be resolved in many ways in a healthy society, but it can never take it can never be taken as non existent. This guy's just shooting the whole uh, in uh, to the phoniness of uh, the American society uh, as it uh, uh, existed in 1953 before Brown, uh, and uh, the notion that they would uh, uh, put forth the uh, uh, proposition that somehow uh, the society here in the America was some just and class classless. A society where everything was equal among uh, the, the uh, cross sections of uh, its citizens. This guy just shot a hole and all of that stuff. Uh, this book is so heavy, y'all. It's crazy. It's crazy now. I just read the last few pages out of this book, and this was at the conclusion of uh, the rest of the book. You need to get this book and just start from page one and just digest, uh, just uh, go through it and read it. It'll probably take you a while. It's hard reading if you're not interested in this type of stuff. Uh, it can be, uh, but you know, me being a history buff, I you know, I got hooked on it, and uh, yeah, I'm still going through it here. I still got a lot to digest. But the shaping of the modern mind is the name of it by Crane Britton. A great, great read. Uh, if you want to know, if you want a, a better understanding of uh, the makeup of uh, American democracy and the uh, uh, inconsistencies, uh, uh, inconsistencies of it, this is a great read. I mean, yeah, we know it. We know the deal. But to hear this guy break it down from an intellectual standpoint is, is quite fascinating. Uh, it's quite fascinating, at least for me it is. I found it fascinating. Hey, y'all, it's about eight, five minutes after eight here. We're going to take another quick pause for the calls, y'all. Hang in there. You got me, Ushmo, driving us crazy this evening. We'll be back shortly. Advocated on your behalf, you're listening to the Hushmo Black Forum. Tell your friends about us. Saturdays, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Right here in cyberspace.
Welcome back, Joe. <clears throat> Welcome back to the Transcope Back Forum. We, uh, Oh, y'all get this book. Uh, in fact, it's kind of hard to get uh, The Shaping of the Modern Man by Crane Britton. If you go out there, you could find, I believe, Ideas and Men. Ideas and Men was uh, the precursor to this book. And I, I believe I tried to find it on Amazon. I couldn't find another copy of this book. I was going to give it to a couple of people, but I couldn't. Find it, but ideas and men. Just go out there and Google Crane Britton, and uh, his work will come up. Fascinating, fascinating. Uh, 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 critique of uh, the American democracy and the conflicts that it uh, encountered uh, with uh, its Christian religion. We uh, Gordon Spieth, he must have double bogeyed that last hole. This guy's three under. Wow, everybody's on him. Bernard Langer, <laughs> Smiley Kaufman. Hmm. Jason Day is even. Oh, yeah. This is going to be a heck of a shootout tomorrow. This is going to be a heck of a shootout tomorrow. Everybody's in play. Maybe you know, three off the lead instead of five off the lead. But you know, at the same time, I'm 
you know, I'm only five off the lead, and, you know, that has to, you know, even though I can't take many positives from today, I have to stay positive, positive that I am only five back, and, you know, I know what can happen in this golf, on this golf course on a Sunday, and everyone does, and I think anyone within five or six of the lead feel like they still have a good shot. Yeah, I mean, a lot, you know, it's, it's hard to, to pick a club, um, you know, it's hard to, to trust what you have in your hand, and, and then, you know, you're, you're reading puffs and you're, you're trying to determine how much the wind is going to, you know, be a mm. factor and how much it's not going to, you know. You I don't know. It sounds like uh, the, uh, Augusta National was a winner today. It beat up on some folks down there, y'all. That's what it looked like to me now. I, <laughs> it looked like the golf course uh, won the day. Uh, it's about 15 people within five of the league going into Sunday, but I'd much rather be in the lead if I right now Gordon Speed is still in the lead, and I'd rather must be him than anybody else. Mhm. So, uh, this guy with that old long putter. Barnard Langer's damn near 60. (laughs) He had the best round of the day, I believe. He's still putting with that old long putter. They should make him cut it off. They should make him get rid of it, I believe. But he still somehow is not anchoring the thing against his chest. He's about an inch off his chest with it, but he's still <clears throat> doing something crazy. I'm sure a lot of other folks is going to try to <clears throat> try that same thing. I'm sure a lot of other golfers are going to try that same old crazy style. Yeah, because what he's doing, he's anchoring his elbow. Against his chest. That's what he's doing. I think he's digging his elbow into his side and just letting that thing. Yeah, that's what he's doing. He's, he's, which is just as illegal in my mind. (laughs) The rules are picked up with him. The rules will catch up with him. That's what he's doing. He's anchoring his elbow into his side and having his his hand off his chest in the club, but yet they're anchored.
That's what he's doing. They should have cut the length of the putter off. Hold it at 33. Mm-hmm. That's what they should do. But it's going to be pretty hard to uh, to make him put it down. He damn near 60. Bernard Langer, he won the thing in 1985, the year before Jack Nicholas left. <laughs> he the one gave Jack Nicholas the green jacket. He's still playing. <laughs> uh, don't look like he's going anywhere anytime soon, either. <clears throat> Mm-hmm. Mm. But we shall see. Uh, it's going to be a fun day tomorrow, the last day of the Masters, y'all. It's going to be a fun day down at Augusta. The wind was blowing around the day. Beat everybody up. That thing beat everybody up today, y'all. Mm-hmm. I have to get me one of those wizards one of these days. Tiger is gone. They're going to start showing Jack Nicholas's old reruns. <laughs> they think they're they going to bury Tiger. Shit, they don't know. Tiger got a lot of golf left in him. Tiger got a lot of golf left in him, him y'all. Shoot. They, they, all that junk, all that crazy, craziness. <laughs> Shit. Please. trying to say.
of iron, 50 to 125, 125 to 150, 150 to 175, 175 to 200, over 200 yards. He was in the top 30 on the PGA Tour in proximity to the hole in every single category. He hasn't done much since then to uh, to change my view of his iron play. As a matter of fact, if you look at the results of that, nobody on the PGA Tour birdies a higher percentage of par fours. His birdie average on the PGA Tour is the very best, and oftentimes you'll see him let go of the club with one hand. It leads people to the conclusion that he's giving up, that he doesn't care, that he's frustrated. Uh, nobody follows a bogey with a higher percentage of birdies uh, than Hideki Matsuyama. Case in point, yesterday in round two, he made bogey at five and six. He followed it with birdies at seven and eight. He made birdie at 11. He followed it with birdies at 12, 13, 14. He opened this championship with a bogey at one. He followed it with a birdie at two. He's tough. Uh, I think he's got a great chance to be the greatest player that has ever come from Japan. Uh, and that's with due respect to uh, Jumbo Ozaki, who won over 100 events there, and Asayoki, who had marvelous success globally. But uh, Hideki Matsuyama, uh, he's got power, he's got trajectory, uh, and he's got a fierce determination about him, and he has not been reluctant to leave Japan and come over here, settle down. He's established some roots in Orlando, and uh, he's fully committed and marvelously talented, David. He really is, and if he shows up with that kind of game tomorrow, he has a wonderful chance to win the Masters Tournament. There's just no two ways about it. He's uh, He's been kind of on the stage here in the United States for a number of years, learning how to win. He's acclimated. And I, I think he has a great, great desire to be that great Japanese player. You know, and I think he really, really should. Uh, they got a Japanese player now they're talking about. May win the thing tomorrow. Adele Metsuyama. I think he's like, what, two under? He's red. Uh, him, he's gonna go out with. Uh, oh no no no! He's one under. He blew a couple of shots. He could be leading the thing now. It's gonna be set up in a, in a fashion that encourages that, encourages aggressive play, and, and a lot of birdies, a lot of roars. You were talking about it. it hasn't been real loud around here today. Well, I think it's gonna get a lot more lively tomorrow. He might be able to draw on his recent win in Scottsdale in a playoff over the fan favorite, Ricky Fowler. He made some really clutch putts down the stretch. You know, who who didn't, who, who, uh, a lot of folks didn't make that cut. I'm trying, I'm trying to figure out who didn't make the cut for the Masters, y'all. Anybody know? Hey, y'all, you got me Hushmoke driving this train out here on the Hushmoke Black Forum here. Well, our motto is to do it bigger, to do it better, to do it longer. Not necessarily sometimes we'll do it louder than anybody out here on Blog Talk, y'all. Uh, yeah, we advocate for uh, justice, social justice on behalf of Americans of African descent. Not because we don't love everybody, just happen to be a part of that community and by extension uh, find ourselves advocating uh, for that community. And Lord knows we need uh, all the advocacy we can get. Uh, it's not because we don't love everybody. We Absolutely do. Hey, it's about uh, 8.30 in the ATL, y'all. How time flies when you're having fun. We come to you live and in living color every Saturday. Tell your friends about us. I spell black for them. Uh, from 7 to 9 on Blog Talk. Find us at our webpage, com. From there, you can follow us on Facebook. We've got a Facebook page out there. Go join us, y'all. Go join us. Rolex.
Timepiece of Champions. The Timepiece of Champions, y'all. Huh? How many of y'all got a Rolex in your jewelry box? I don't know. They always been a little uh, pricey for the hush move. They've always been a little pricey for the hush move. That's just me now. I, I mean, I can. Somebody gave me one. I take it. But as far as me, just spending money on one, I you know. I don't know. There's a lot of great watches out there. All of them pretty much does the same thing, as far as I can tell. Keep track of time. That's uh, about the only thing I uh, want out of a watch. That's the only thing I want out of a watch, y'all. The thing can tell time. What else do you want out of a watch? If not to... uh, If not for it to tell time for you, keep track of what is time? What is time? I don't know. We're just thinking outside the box here, y'all. Somebody trying to. Trying to figure it out. Trying to figure things out. We've got two... We've got got to take two biology classes there. We got to take biology one and biology two. Now I didn't know that. See, this is teeing me off. This is throwing me off here. I didn't realize I had to take two biology classes. Biology one and two. I didn't realize that. In fact, I got to do a little more research and see. going on here I'm 
Trump team vows to win delegate majority as rivals prepare for open convention. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm just laughing at the, uh, the Republican uh, presidential uh The earliest Trump could assemble 1,237 delegates needed for the nomination is on the final day of the primary season, June 7th, when the big states of California and New Jersey vote. Between now and then, he needs to win nearly 60% of the delegates still available, a higher percentage than he had as thus than he has thus far. Our target date is June 7th, but our goal is in the middle of May to be the preemptive nominee. Paul Manafort, Trump's newly installed convention manager, who has been given broad authority to shape the campaign going forward, said in a wide-ranging interview here. The expressions of confidence come um, as Trump has begun a significant transition in his campaign, one designed to build Ties to the institutional Republican Party allay fears about a possible general election defeat and adopt more traditional elements in what has been an impulsive operation. <laughs> Trump's remaining two rivals, Senator Ted Cruz and Ohio Governor John Kasich, offer a distinctly different assessment. They see the race transitioning into a more granular phase as the three candidates compete to win committed delegates and persuade those who are unbound. They are convinced as increasingly as many party leaders that the Cleveland Convention in July will be contested. That that outcome would result in two weeks of fights over rules, credentials, platform planks, and eventually the nomination itself. In the absence of a nominee, it will fall to Republican National Committee Chairman Rance Priebus to prepare and stage manage the potential chaos. The RNC already has a group 
at work attempting to anticipate flashpoints of trouble spots <laughs> and to think through how to smooth a process that has not occurred in decades. The unresolved drama leaves the Republican Party and its candidates partially frozen at a moment when ordinarily a preemptive nominee would begin the arduous job of uniting the party, raising money, hiring staff, and opening offices in fall swing states. Vetting and selecting a vice presidential running mate, expanding his or her appeal to a broader electorate, and drawing contrasts with the other party. Former Massachusetts Governor Mitt Romney was free to do just that four years ago this Sunday when former Senator Rick Santorum dropped out of the race. There are all big, tough moves. These are all big, tough moves that must be coordinated and implemented flawlessly, said Scott Reed, a veteran GOP strategist, who now advises the U.S. Chamber of Commerce to get an early start. The RNC has begun talks with the three remaining campaigns about entering joint fundraising agreements. (laughs) Uh, Right. Meanwhile, the RNC has invested in data programs and built a ground organization in the battleground states that the eventual nominee stands to inherit. The RNC is exponentially better equipped in than at any point in history, Spicer said. When Romney assumed the nomination, he said, we had four people in the field in 2012 we now have hundreds, and they've spent multiple years doing voter contact and getting ready for what will be the nominee. But the GOP today is driven by district. But the GOP today is driven by district and dissent, oh, driven by distrust and dissent. In an age when social media acts as an instantaneous conveyor belt, of rumor, gossip, gossip, and incendiary accusations, party fingers, figures are imagining a nightmare scenario. The Republicans are going to rent the showcase and hour after hour of fighting and floor demonstrations followed by a Democratic national convention that amounts to a week-long Hillary Clinton infomercial. <laughs> oh, this thing is getting interesting, y'all. Y'all paying attention? Get involved. Get involved. Hey, everybody, get registered. Get ready. Get your neighbors ready. Haul them to the uh, voting booth. You got until November. That's eight months out. Don't dare stay home this season, y'all. Everybody has got to vote. It's critical that uh, everybody get out and vote this year. It's critical. Um... of course, every uh, every uh, election is critical in my mind. I I uh, I don't miss no vote, no no election. I vote every every election. Uh, we can't afford to uh, to uh, 
take our voting rights lightly. They're trying to push them back now, yeah. They're trying to take away our voting rights. we got to stay vigilant, get out and vote. Everybody's important. Uh, that we put a uh, Democrat in office there. Not, not because I'm in love with the Democratic Party. Uh, it's just that uh, I... Uh, I uh, uh, just see too many flaws in the Republican Party, in the Republican candidates this year, y'all, to even consider uh, uh, not uh, not getting out there voting. Uh, What's on the other side is scary. It's scary, y'all. I still think there's a good chance one of those guys try to run a third run as an independent before it's all over. It might be Donald Trump because they don't want to give him it. I think it's going to be, they're going to piss him off to the point where he might just break away and run a third party candidacy. It's possible. And he's got self-funding. He can do it. He's got his own money. He can, one of the few that could probably, well, he's the only one that's in the race that got that kind of, that kind of resource where he can just, uh, where he can uh, fund his own campaign. Although he didn't spend much of his own money so far, maybe he's just waiting for the end game. Maybe he's waiting to spend some of that $10 billion he claimed he had. Oh, no, he ain't showed his tax. He ain't showed his tax papers yet, has he? Has Donald showed his tax paper? Has he released his tax papers? I didn't know. <laughs> he says because of some kind of some kind of ongoing uh, uh, internal revenue. Uh, I don't know if it's an audit or what. I mean, surely. He, he he made some kind of crazy statement about the IRS been auditing him or looking at him since 2002. Is that even legal? I, I thought the IRS could only go back some three years. He he. How's the Donald? What is the Donald talking about? What are you talking about? The IRS been investigating him or auditing him since two thousand two or some crazy number like that. The IRS can't they can't uh, look at your stuff that long, can they? In the past, <clears throat> I think the Donald gets something in those taxes he don't want to see, you know. And that's this is right. I mean, not to want to have. Uh, To want to hide, rather, some uh, some of his own personal uh, shenanigans. But then, when you when you run for president, that that opens you up to a whole lot of scrutiny, yeah. That opens you up to a whole level of scrutiny that uh, the ordinary citizen don't have to uh, don't have to worry about. But if you want to be president of the United States, people, uh, the citizens got a right to know. Uh, you know, got a right to know uh, 
Where are you coming from? Where are you going? Where are you being? And all that stuff. Oh, yeah. And uh, before you get to be president, they'll know. <laughs> they all know. Because, you know, that uh, one good thing about uh, the media is that it, uh, in this country, is that it, uh, let's keep a tab on uh, our politicians uh, fairly well. And, uh, yeah, public has a right to know. <clears throat> so, I don't know. I, you know, it's just a matter of time before they force the dollar to release those tax returns. And we'll have a look at exactly what he's got. Uh, what he's... What, <laughs> Let's see if he's if he ain't had nothing, he ain't got nothing to work about. Mitt Romney, he finally did. They drug him out of him. Finally, well, he had money on, uh, on an offshore accounts. I'm sure the Don do too. If he got ten billion dollars, if if he worked ten billion dollars, you can almost rest assured that he got some of that money offshore somewhere. You can rest assured he got some of that money offshore somewhere, yo. Yeah, I believe. So we'll see as time go on here, this thing getting closer and closer. We'll see if the Donald releases stuff or what how that thing's going to play out. We're going to find out pretty quick, too, because, you know, that uh, July is just right around the corner. July is right around the corner, y'all. It'll be here before you know it, and they're going to have to make a decision. Uh about what to do, uh, whether the citizens, yeah, the citizens, you think the citizens are supposed to be the one who elect the candidates, but the more and more we're finding out that uh, it don't really matter <laughs> what the citizens think. Because right now, Donald Trump, he got more votes than anybody over there on that Republican side, I believe, but they can take that thing away from him. That majority, this uh, one vote per uh, one citizen don't mean a crock of pie. Uh, Nothing. It don't mean it don't mean you're gonna get that election, Donald. Donald is just realizing that though. He's he's trying to come to grips with it, but no, they they trying to take that thing. They try to take that thing from the Donald. The Donald say he ain't having it. Well, we gonna see how that thing play out because. Right now, right now, it's all up in the air. Don't nobody know what's going to happen. Don't nobody know what's going to happen. That's why I'm tempted to take the Hushville Black Forum on the road that week to Ohio. Just to, I've never covered a. Republican convention. I did uh, get pretty close to the 1988 convention, which was in Atlanta. Democratic convention. 
That's when Jesse Jackson was running. Run, Jesse, run. <laughs> I, well, to be fair to Jesse Jackson, he ran a hell of a lot better. Uh, 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 he ran a hell of a lot better campaign than uh, Herman Russ, Herman Kane, or uh, Ben Carson. He ran a hell of a better campaign than any of those two turkeys. He did win, I think, uh, Jesse Jackson won like uh, five primaries. If I'm not mistaken, he won a hell of a lot more uh, primaries than Herman Cain or Ben Carson. Ben Carson ain't won nothing yet, and neither does Herman. Herman Herman Cain wound up dropping out after they discovered he got about five or six girlfriends on his side. You can't do it. The white folks do, uh, Herman. You know that. Don't even try it. Now the inquirer talking about Tia Cruz got five ladies on the side himself. That's what the National Inquirer said. No, I didn't say that. I don't. I don't know. I'm just. I'm a news uh, outlet here. We pass on the news. Y'all see it? Go Google it. National Inquirer and Tia Cruz. They got a whole story on Tia. Now the Dawn says that. Uh, the National Enquirer, they write about a lot of stuff, according to Donald Trump. But he said he hoped they ain't write about his friend T yet. Or, uh, no, he said he hoped they ain't write about lying T yet. <laughs> hey, now, Donald said, this is what Donald Trump says. He said the National Enquirer was right about a lot of, hope, uh, a lot of high-profile cases. Uh, O.J. Simpson for one, and somebody else, and somebody else. He named two or three of them that he was right about. But he said at the same time in that same statement, just about this article they got in there about Ted Cruz, he hoped that they're not right about lying to you. <laughs> now, do, what kind of statement is that? First of all, he... He's supposed to be uh, hoping that Tia Cruz, they, they're not right about Tia Cruz, but he says he hoped they're not right about lying Tia. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> yeah, the next thing why they get, they get some stuff right now. I, But uh, this Tia Cruz thing, I don't know. They say they got five ladies that have been, and uh, somebody got this list they get ready to release of this. High profile uh, madam, madam down in Washington that was running this brothel has got a, a, a clientele list of about 11,000 people. <laughs> and he's talking about he's going to release it. The guy that's got it right now is on a court order or seal or something mess to happen in the trial. But he supposedly he can't release it until he go to court and get uh, the court's permission. But he said he's going to release it anyway before the Republican convention. So uh, he said it's going to have a profound effect on our politics here, or this presidential race, some kind of way. And he's going to, list, he's going to release that list. And uh, supposedly, I don't know, if any of the uh, presidential candidates is on that list or what? I don't know. Maybe maybe Ted Cruz's name show up there. Well, Donald Trump don't care. Donald Trump don't care. He's been married three times. He might. He, and if this lady ain't careful and mess around and come up with a wrinkle in her face, uh, 
it'll be four. Because don't, <laughs> don't, hey, don't, if I'm a lady best around with don't, don't get no wrinkles in your face. Don't will trade you in. The Donald will get rid of you in a heartbeat and go get him another a a a a play model. So I'm just I'm trying to get advice some advice if I'm if I'm her. Uh, go uh, keep in good stead with your uh, dermatologist. Make sure you go see that guy like weekly. <laughs> To if he gotta patch some things up for you, keep them wrinkles away from your face, darling. Because Donald Trump will trade you in and get him a younger a version of you. <laughs> the Donald would get him a younger version of you in a minute. <laughs> he put a, a picture of Cruz's wife. Uh, in the <laughs> tweeted it next to his wife. Come on, Don. Teed a bunch of ladies off. I should have teed his wife off, though. A little chauvinistic, I would think. That really should have teed his wife off. And maybe it did. I don't know. I said it should have. Maybe it did. I don't know. I don't know. I just said maybe. Uh, I haven't heard uh say anything negative about the dawn. She know that <laughs> she won't be living in Trump Tower long if she come out and say anything about the donor. She will not be living in Trump Tower long. Mm-mm. Seven morning and third. Oh, George's in good shape. He's only three back. He's only three back going into the last day. They can make a move. I still rather be in the leader's shoes come. Sunday, if I'm leading by one or ten, I don't care if I'm leading by one. I'd rather be uh, in that guy's shoes than anybody else's. Oh, yeah. I'd rather be in that guy's shoes than anybody else's. That's just a fact. That's just a fact, y'all. So we're going to see how it goes 
Yeah, I uh, I think this Democratic thing is just about wrapped up. Yeah, I don't think Bernie's got a way to come back and overtake Hillary. That's just my observation. Now, somebody, my friends, uh, a little skeptical, more skeptical than I. But I'm just looking at it. I'm more of a pragmatist than perhaps my friends. I, I don't see how anybody, I don't see how Bernie, I don't see a path for Bernie forward, you know. I don't see a path going forward. First of all, the country, I don't believe, is going to ever elect a uh, socialist. Or an admitted socialist, obviously. A lot of them, not our politicians have socialist tendencies. Even uh, some of the institutions of the country is socialist and and uh, the socialists, uh, when you, when you uh, break them all down. Yeah, a lot of our uh, pro Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, those are all socialist uh, uh, institutions. Great ones, too, in my mind. Social Security is the greatest uh, social contract between the government and the citizens that the world's ever known. In my mind, Social Security, the greatest social uh, contract between uh, uh, a nation's citizens and this government that's ever been uh, devised, in my mind. So, yeah, we, uh, there's a lot about our society that is socialist in nature. Hey y'all, that's just about uh, we we on the downside here of this thing. We're going to uh, wrap this thing up. We'll be right back out here next week, same time, same station, seven to nine. Uh, uh, what's the date? The ninth, ninth of April. We'll be right back out here on uh, what is that? The 16th? The 16th. 16th next week. We'll be right back with y'all. Until then, y'all be good. You got me the hush book driving this train this evening. We're going to sign off. Y'all have a good weekend. Tell your friends about us. Hushmoblack.com is our website. You can follow us there. Until next week, y'all. Ciao. We out of here. The Hushmo Black Phone. Advocated on your behalf by covering news and events affecting the African-American community. Check us out at the Heisman Black Phone, www.blogtalkradio.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.